0: In 2020, 45,979 people died by suicide in the United States. That is one death every 11 minutes. 12.2 million adults seriously thought about suicide. 3.2 million adults made a plan and 1.2 million adults attempted suicide. We really got to ask ourselves, what is going on in the minds of all of these people? And what does it feel like when they actually do it and they leave one of us behind? Today, Michelle's gonna come on and talk to us about cycles of suicide. We're gonna get into a best friend that attempted at a younger age, a friend in college, and later on, a family member. I say those for anybody listening, and it might cause a trigger warning. We know that we're talking about some really, really deep stuff, but we truly believe in order to heal it that we need to discuss it. You're safe here, please stay with us. Feel safe here, we love you, and you're worthy, okay? 988 is the National Suicide Hotline number now. Please reach out. All right. Hello, family. Welcome to Safe Space with Cheyenne. Today, I'm really excited to tell you about one of my close personal friends that I have on the show today for a pretty heavy topic that we're going to be talking about. Her name is Michelle Strader. Say hi, Michelle. Hello. Thanks for joining me for this. My pleasure. Um, Before we uh, get into the nitty gritty of this conversation that definitely needs like 10 times more light shown on it. Um, I do want to talk about you and, you know, what you're doing here right now in Wichita. Well, I moved to
1: Wichita to open a restaurant, Unfortunately, uh, the one that we met at, mm-hmm. um, but I do run a restaurant. I'm part of the support team for uh, the market that we are in, um, helping with HR compliance all the fun stuff nobody wants to ever do, but But it keeps
0: everybody safe. I know, but I actually like it. So yeah, Yeah. you, you made me like it when you trained me. So I have a very deep appreciation for the admin side and don't do that because of this lawsuit and this and this fine and this and this and this. this. We do save the company a lot of money. So you really do. You, you you're the superheroes in my eyes. Well, thank you. And I do miss working with you. Well, we still hang out, so that's fun. Yeah, that is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I know that we're talking about a pretty heavy topic today, so um, just like thank you for coming on and being vulnerable because talking about suicide, especially the stories that we're going to get in uh, with you, they are, they're always heavy no matter what, but mm, all of the definitely. ones that you're going to bring up, it, it really is just a cycle. And I thought that it was really important to bring you on because – so many people that I've talked to, like they might've had like spouts of it or maybe come across it like once or twice in your life, but you have uh, some cyclical stories of it just being around in and out of your life. And I just thought it was kind of a cool perspective on, you know, how you process suicide in a certain way. Um, But before that, I mean, who, who's Michelle? Like how far back are we going? Well, I mean, we, We discussed this earlier
1: about how far back we can go, but I'm a mother of three. I have the three grandchildren. My fourth one's on the way, so that's super exciting. Um, I'm divorced, but I'm in a wonderfully happy relationship now with my life, and kind of looking forward to my older years and settling down and living on the beach and my hippie life. But that's further down the line. But I mean, there's different show different topic of you know all that kind of fun stuff but oh definitely yeah but you know I I love my life right now and I'm super happy to be here
0: so take me back to you had a friend in high school when you were just 16 years old mm-hmm, sure so did. what was the year when you were 16 if you don't mind me asking just so we can stage you have to the time you do math now
1: um, I would sorry. say 87 or 88. Okay, I think that so was the year. The 80s is what you should mm-hmm. think of. Yep, it was right the 80s. Now. Okay. Definitely the 80s. Like junior year in high school is, I believe, when it happened. Um, so I had a friend, um, her name was Marilyn. Um, hopefully, she doesn't listen to this and call me out because she's a grown adult somewhere else in the country now. But either way, she Her had, name
0: is Missy.
1: Missy whatever you would like to call her. Yes. Um, we were very close friends, especially growing up. We lived in the same neighborhood together. Um, she was from New Orleans, and so I'd always go to her house, and her mom would make us beignets, and we would just hang out and have sleepovers. We were in Girl Scouts together and just really grew up together, and she just always seemed like she was so level and great, and when we were 16 in high school, she attempted suicide, and it, it was... Very difficult for me because I just didn't get it.
0: How did you find out first? Like, where were you when you found out your friend tried to end her life?
1: I was in school because there was a major rumor going around about it. I didn't hear from her family, um, but I did hear about it from school. And so that was kind of tough because everyone was kind of like, oh, Michelle's friends with her. And did she know? Yeah, how
0: do you not know your best friend? You had no idea. Yeah.
1: You, You didn't. We didn't know. And just kind of finding out about that I reached out to her mom and I was able to visit her while she was in the hospital which was very interesting really brought out some emotions and anger and confusion frustration um
0: abandonment
1: kind of more of not even abandonment more of why and how and you never even looked like you were even thinking about committing suicide it was just very shocking to me so it kind of went to the point where I thought, did she plan this? Did she need attention? Was it really that bad? How bad was it? Is there things I don't know about?
0: Is she living in a glass house, right, where everybody, like, looks like they have the perfect life, but they have shit going on behind the scenes all the time? I guess so, but that's what I mean, everybody has that, but there are some families that really take it to the next level of cover-up.
1: I mean, her mom was our Girl Scout troop leader. You know, we made macrame in her in her family room, you know, when we were little kids. Yeah.
0: I 100% agree that the news of it would just be shocking, but just like you, you're just like, how, 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 how?
1: No no clue. I was just taken aback and I was angry. In the end I was very upset with her of how could you do this? Like, Mm -hmm. why would, why would you not come to me? Why would you not talk to me? Why would you not make this important enough in your life to have a conversation with somebody that you were very close with? And, what in the hell made you do it? Mm -hmm. That was what was confusing.
0: Yeah, because there are people who think about it, people who attempt and then, you know, obviously survive. And then there are people that think about it, do it, and succeed. So you kind of wonder the difference in their thought patterns of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you are my best friend. How did I not know that not only you were thinking about suicide, you were depressed, but then you actually attempted it.
1: Sorry, I was burping. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think the main thing for me was that I was curious at what was going on in her life that wanted her to to do this. And the sad thing about it is that after she did this, um, they moved and they left the neighborhood. They left the school. I think the embarrassment of what happened to her family was hard. I mean, we're friends on Facebook now, but we grew apart. And I think we became friends when we were trying to plan a reunion for high school on Facebook. But still don't have an answer. Still don't know why. Still don't know why she would think about doing it. And she, she did it the real way. She didn't do it. Well, I'm going to half-ass try to attempt suicide. She,
0: I mean, she really went for it. She went for it. And so
1: that was pretty serious. So that, that part, not knowing the answers still kind of to this day haunts me a little bit.
0: Well, yeah. Being 16 and having your best friend commit suicide. I think I was 15 or 16 when one of the kids died in my high school and it was just a car accident and he was like one of the best kids you could have Mm -hmm. ever met in your life like to this day I'm pretty sure he's a guardian angel of everybody who knew and experienced that Mm -hmm. time of his loss so that was shocking enough for me like I don't have the question of why did Corey die like I'm never going to know that one but I know that he died in a car accident and I'm just gonna give the rest up to the creator that I believe in like, I don't need that answer. But for you, again, it's your best friend. Like, yeah, you're right. That probably would be a little haunting. It was haunting. And, you know, you could
1: go off, you know, you called them tree branches earlier. We could go off on a million tree branches of how people died or DUIs or drug overdoses and all these things that you went. And my high school, you have to understand, was was 73 people in my graduating class. There was 350 people in the whole school. So we went to school together from kindergarten until graduation so you do understand because you yeah. were in a small school, but it, mm-hmm. it, the rumors and all that kind of stuff flies pretty quickly. What did I do? You're fine. Okay. Are you sure? I'm a heavy breathing? No, keep okay. Going. You can cut that out, I guess, right? Maybe. Maybe not.
0: I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: I'm getting used to this microphone thing, everyone. Please give me a break on oh that. Oh, my God.
0: No, I'll cut it out. It's fine. Okay. 830 to whenever you continue back into the story. Okay, so
1: just learning about people who die and the the rumors of things that happen can be very upsetting. Um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought on that one. But either way, just the rumors that go around can already be detrimental to you in your high school life, whether you're having sex with the wrong person. Or- we kind
0: of get marked with it too, right? You like, definitely get marked. No, I mean, I know that his family, like no matter what, we were just always like, my heart always goes out to you and mm-hmm. there's always a way that people will look at you after you experience that death. Definitely. There's always going to be those whispers in the restaurant and Walmart whenever you see him. So that's a really good point to bring up too because a lot of the rumor mill that goes on, whether it's, hey, this is the accident and this is what happened and it's truth, there's still it's still volatile to even like have people yeah. sit around and discuss. But yeah. as humans, I think that we are all fascinated with death. It's just not what we put on our Facebook profile.
1: No, I agree with you hundred percent. We just all kind of question what happens and, and that the whole death situation, we could, you need another podcast for that. But either way, it's, it's, it's
0: welcome here. <laughs> it's more of,
1: it's more of, you know, Her and what she did and the fact that her family just upended and moved them away and there were no answers and no conversation. And when you're talking about a a subject like suicide, you get it's very emotional for those that are not involved in actually doing it.
0: Okay. So let's think about what society looks like as suicide awareness in the 80s when it happened. Because I think that they 100% like storybook did it the same way if their daughter would have got pregnant and moved away at that time.
1: Well, You know, you look at the age of the parents, and and her parents were a little older. Like, my father was a little older than my mother. So, you know, you're thinking of parents born in the 30s and the 40s and the way that they react to these types of things and the embarrassment. If this would have happened back in the 50s or 60s, oh my, you would have had to, you know, move cross-country for this type of stuff. And so her parents were a little older, so their stigma behind the whole idea of suicide, and she has an older sister who was much older than her, so they 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 chose to take her out of of the situation maybe to protect her i have no idea
0: i think it'd be a really hard call on that time i mean i wasn't even live at mm-hmm. that year so i i wouldn't even know what to do but i think you probably are right they saved themselves and her the embarrassment of everything and it sucks to like say like we're speaking on the time that it was like mm-hmm. i do not believe it is embarrassing to have suicidal thoughts fight it or anything but I've come a long way from being embarrassed about suicide oh, yeah, and discussing it and being very vulnerable with like hey there was a time in my life where one I didn't think I was gonna make it two I really wasn't and three I'm okay with still admitting that like I don't have days where I'm okay and I like you I'm like I'm not gonna do it but you still have those really low days everyone has and days you're like, like that. oh shit but again I like the We have people that think about it. We have people that attempt it. We have people that attempt it and actually succeed at it. And I'm like you. I go back to what actually made you make that thought a physical action.
1: I think that everyone is strong in their own way. You know, if you would have asked me to talk about this five years ago or six years ago, I probably would have looked at you and been like, no, I'm not ready to open myself up about it. And so I don't even think
0: you would have said it that nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: Everyone evolves and becomes different. And so, you know, you have to think about the time that, you know, even the next person or topic we're going to discuss, this was back in the eighties. If you got pregnant in high school, you were really looked down upon. You, Mm -hmm. you, we didn't have daycares. We didn't have any of that. You were kind of like... I mean, there was some crazy shit that happened in my high school. Like, they got pregnant and got married. And we're talking junior, senior in high school Mm -hmm. because that's what their parents said they should do. And so you're looking at a time when cocaine was huge and people were partying like rock stars and the 80s were just a time of excess everything. Yet you turn around and look at your kids and don't get pregnant. Don't try to commit suicide. You know, you go out and drink and drive. Don't do cocaine. Don't do any of that. So it's just a very different time and just coming from the old school you know the people who are older and
0: there were no mental health campaigns back then. there was
1: nothing it was Nancy Reagan's don't do drugs you know kind of campaign stuff Mm -hmm. that went on like that that we kind of came into into the you know early early to mid 80s I believe that was there because you know kids were doing drugs and they were having fun and heck yeah I mean Heck, yeah, we were having fun, but then again. We work hard. We want to have fun.
0: That's kind of the way it went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. I think it's getting back to that way, too, but well, again, yeah. that's a whole other episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so now you have, exp- like, personal experience with being affected by a suicide attempt. Um, obviously, we know already that you don't have the answer, so then moving on into college, like, what other experiences cycled the suicide topic back into your life? Well,
1: college, first of all, was an interesting time. You know, everyone's getting to know who they are, figure themselves out. You know, you get out of high school and they're like, hey, figure out your life. You're 18. You should know exactly what you want kind of stuff. So dealing with people in college was very different than high school because everyone was, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this. I'm going to do this. And then you have some of those that didn't make it into that. They stayed home, they stayed with their parents, they went to the community college, you know, and one friend from high school that excuse me, actually dated another good friend of mine. He was always just a kind of a quiet kid but a lot of fun. We'd party together, we'd have a good time, and then I would hear, you know, kind of used to be coming into like a dark area of his life, you could physically see the change in him from when he was in high school and he was, you know, playing basketball and Being this great person that he was, and he was just always involved in stuff, and we did, you know, we were part of clubs together, and then he gets out of high school, and he starts dressing in all black, and he dyes his hair black, and he just gets really thin, and he gets very pale and pasty, and listening to music that at the time was considered, you know hardcore Satan's CS- music Satan's music I'm yeah. telling you now we like he
0: backtracking his
1: records now we can't literally like find him enough but like yeah you wanted to listen to him so he kind of went down that rabbit hole and then you know when he I heard that he had killed himself and I don't know exactly how he did it but I do remember hearing about that and to me I was like okay well this one makes sense and I look back on it now when I'm thinking to myself 30 plus years ago how could you say something makes sense but it was the the stereotype. Do you
0: think it had anything to do with intuition when you compared the stories next to each other? Like you didn't see your best friend coming, no way, shape or form. I can't even believe that. But then now you look at everything he went through and you're like, yeah, I could see that.
1: I think that it was more of a stereotyping situation because we were coming out of the 80s going into the early 90s and a lot of that um, a lot of kids and a lot of people were becoming depressed, becoming drug addicted, becoming... Heroin epidemic. Heroin. Seattle, we're, you know, flannel.
0: We're talking... Grunge bands.
1: Cocaine and crack and heroin mm-hmm. and all these things were so prevalent in the early 90s. And I don't know if Matt was doing drugs at the time or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, I, I really don't know, but I do know that it was a more of a stereotype because more of the kids who were dressing and acting like that were committing suicide... Because they they were looking for that attention. They were going to change their appearance. And I mean, you look at it now, and you should never say anything like that. But this was a true stereotype back then. That and is very true. So now we, we kind of see that. And with that one, I was sad. and But I understood it more because he was going down that path. So I guess it was a very different experience because I went from confused and not understanding to understanding because of the way that he dressed or acted and I didn't really ever speak to him, you know, after high school, but I knew friends that did, and it affected me very differently from the first experience.
0: Still a completely different perspective. Yeah. I, re- I really like that you're vulnerable enough to even be like, yeah, I stereotyped the whole situation. Well, and obviously it's still a tragedy in its own because he attempted and succeeded, Um but it did uh tree branch me off into a story okay. didn't you go to high school with like the lead singer of Mudvayne? i did i did
1: chad gray yeah I yeah did. he went he lived in latham i went to warnsburg latham he lived in latham and he is definitely <laughs> you never would imagine this guy would be the lead singer of Mudvayne. i mean he he's a great kid you know just kind of a little off and awkward and skinny and you know freckles and wore glasses and my friend Dina, I would hang out with them or, you know, we'd be in Latham running the streets. And yeah, so yeah, I did.
0: That story popped up in my head. And I definitely wanted you to share that. That's funny. Yeah. Always seeing people before they come, they come themselves.
1: Definitely is a part of our um, high school had a couple of people uh, who broke off and, and became in bands and they still perform in my hometown. And He's still a part of that. I'm pretty sure a kid named Brad that I went to school with, he was uh, the lead singer, or he was in v Shape Mine, and so he and teaches heavy metal classes to, like, younger kids who want to play that kind of stuff. I yeah, love it. It's pretty cool.
0: That is cool. Yeah. That was a nice, positive tree branch. Yeah. Okay, on to the hardest story that right. is obviously hard to talk about, but, um, we go through your best friend attempting. We have your friend, distant friend, Matt, that you hear about. And then now we get into the story of a family member of yours Mm -hmm. attempting it. Yes. And obviously this is the lowest blow of all of them.
1: It was, um, it it is very kind of the self-reflection on it is harder than I think looking back at what caused it. It's more of the self-reflection. My my daughter at the age of 16, she overdosed on Tylenol. And when I first kind of was in the whole mess of figuring out what was going on and her friend said that she took a bottle of Tylenol and I'm like, you know, what the hell – this is bullshit. Did you think
0: I was gonna say, did you think anything was gonna happen because she just took Tylenol? No,
1: I didn't think anything of it. Right. I, I just
0: kind of was like, well, just get some sleep. Drink too
1: much amoxicillin. Go and, to bed. Yeah, let's let's have water through the night. And then the next morning I get up and there's black moment on the floor. So that's when I was like, okay, I think it's time to, to go to the hospital. And through the whole thing, they kept her. They um wanted to put her into the 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 psych ward to keep her for two weeks, and I was really pissed. I was like, this is my daughter. She's not committing suicide. She just did something stupid. There's nothing that there she's not trying. Like she wasn't trying to do that. She just took too many Tylenol pills. No big deal. Denial 150%. And I know that at that point in time, I look like an asshole to the the nurses and the doctors because
0: we see moms like this on Lifetime movies. I was in denial. We're just like, you're gonna kill her again if you take her home with this mindset. But you know, to me... But I, being the
1: mom and having that denial... I didn't think at the time that she had any reason to want to commit suicide. To, to me, it didn't make any sense.
0: And that would be really hard, too. You're a 43-year-old mom. You have a 16-year-old daughter. The likelihood of you knowing everything that's affecting your daughter is a very slim chance. Well, and the, the things that you do get let on, she gets in trouble for. Yeah. So. I mean, at the time, <laughs> you know, they're,
1: they're all hiding things from you. And, you know, my marriage was going down the tubes and had been going down the tubes for many years and just whole nother podcast, you know, with (laughs) divorce. But either way, I just got kind of got to the point where I just had to shut my mouth. And then they transferred her to a hospital 45 minutes away from home, which then again, pissed me off, because I'm like, now I gotta drive 45 minutes. And then it hit me how embarrassed I was. Because I didn't want to tell anybody at work. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have the conversation. I didn't want my kids to talk about it. It was she's just in there just because they're making us do it. And, and this was my denial. I continually just kept thinking. You just
0: kind of like PR'd your family Pretty situation. Pretty much. Yeah. I
1: PR'd everything. Yeah. And so we went through her, you know, 14 days of being in the hospital. Um, they were going to do initial seven and then they decided to do 14. And then I was like, you people are crazy. It was, it was absolutely crazy how much in denial I was. But when it all was over and she came home, life was the same. We never really discussed why she did it. Um, we never, ever talked about it. Like, I just kind of became that parent like my friend Marilyn's parents did and didn't want to talk about it. It's sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, sweeping under the rug. Don't know how to gotta clean this black shit up off the damn carpet and make that go away. Like, it was complete denial. And, unfortunately, it it happened and stayed like that for the next two years. And the day she turned 18, that girl was out the door and moved out as soon as she possibly could. So kind of backtracking on to this whole conversation, you know, her dad was traveling, he was never home. So I didn't really have anybody there. I didn't want to tell my friends. I did. It it was awful. And I I hate to kind of make this situation about me. But I think it's more of making it about the family and how they have to deal with a situation like that.
0: Yeah, I think the perspective is needed. I know a lot of the stories that is about the person who like attempted and survived. And obviously, there's tremendous value in those. But the Mm -hmm. Again, just the vulnerability to even talk about the the thoughts that really aren't empathetic or compassionate to the situation because yeah. there's still such a stigma and denial in mm-hmm. it, whether it's generationally, society, whatever. At the end of the day, there still needs to be a bigger, compassionate discussion and getting to the root of the issue, yes, exactly. which is the biggest thing that we talked about of you don't get to just throw them in a psych ward, throw pills at them and go, oh, it's okay. Just go get a job and color your hair different and just go fix a couple things in your life and you don't want to kill yourself anymore. I did. exactly. It's an alarm. Yeah. But it's an alarm. Like your body is telling you like something, something that has previously happened Mm -hmm. to you is actually still affecting you. This Mm -hmm. isn't a wall. You don't just walk into a suicide wall one day. No. You know, yeah. like these are things that are stored in your body. And, you know, kind of like depression is like that button. You're like, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Like, hey, this is a warning. This yeah. isn't a pill that you need to take. This isn't a disease. This is a fucking warning. Mm-hmm. Listen to your body, listen to your mind. You're doing something wrong. And yeah, we all have jobs, lives, works, kids, everything. But. It's like airplane rules now. Well. If my if my mask <laughs> isn't put on, you ain't getting shit. You don't have to wear a mask anymore. You didn't know that. Well, I mean, airplane rules. Okay, I got you. Know you know what I'm saying? I like, know you You put your mask on before you do somebody else's. Yeah, Lane okay, that I one. We established our marriage on that in yeah. the last couple of years, and it's been vital in Parenting Monroe. Oh, definitely.
1: You know, I some things that, you know, you kind of hit on there, and, and you... <laughs> This is kind of a weird branch. So you know how like, you know. Still a tree branch. Yeah, we're we're tree branch. And so, you know, you kind of look at, at taking care of yourself. Like when you're a parent, it's 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 so different because you have this person that you're supposed to take care of and this person that you're supposed to be there for all the time. And as I've learned throughout my last five or six years, that if you don't take care of yourself first, you're not able to take care of another person. So kind of going back around in full circle was I was at that point in my life where I was barely holding on taking care of myself. I wanted a party all the time. My husband was, my ex-husband now, was gone all the time. I was trying to raise three kids. I was trying to figure it out. And I stretched myself so incredibly thin that I wasn't there for when they needed me, which I don't know that I'm going to blame myself for it, but you you get into these relationships and these families and parents – you know, they bend over backwards to where you you as a parent mean nothing. Your kid is everything, you do everything for them. And at the end of the day, you're drained and you still are empty shell because you've not taken care of who you are on the inside. And I was at that point with her when, when she committed or tried to commit suicide. And I was getting, So you were
0: supremely emotionally unavailable due to all the other things that oh, have been happening in your totally. life before that. It'd and been it,
1: going on for years though. This wasn't just a new situation this was a a fight from the time she was born until the time I got divorced on what's more important whether it be dad who wanted to be number one to that's it dad's Mm -hmm. number one but I was fighting the other fight of the kids are number one and so I was being stretched between the two so you get to that point where you don't see a lot of what your kids are suffering from because you're trying to please both sides and yeah it
0: sounds like you're the mediator in your marriage and your relationship with your kids it's awful it, it is. It, yeah. You're
1: not you're not there truly for what you should be because if you were healthy on the inside then you would have I feel I would have probably seen more of what was going on. I was
0: going to say being healthy on the inside has given me a much bigger and brighter awareness mm-hmm. of not only the things around me but anything that continuously pops up inside of me. Yes. I think there's a huge misconception in any form of healing that like one day you're just like, if you go to a therapist, you're just going to walk in on your Friday appointment. Like, oh, I can't wait to go see my therapist. Yeah. And they're like, hey, I just wanted you to know that you're all healed and you don't need to talk to me anymore. There's never a And they're like, thank ever. you. Here's your certificate. Never. You do holistic healing. You do Reiki. You do yoga. You do uh, ayahuasca retreats in Costa Rica. Like whatever you can think of, like there's constant healing. So then like you get healed, like you'll learn another level, right? Mm-hmm. And then another like thing comes up that you got to work on. It's a consistent thing. Oh my goodness!
1: You know the the one thing in my job, we always we always say that you'll never be without a job because once you focus on one thing, something else falls to the side. So you're always going to be guaranteed a job because something never nothing's ever going to be perfect. And so if you look at that as a as an inside your your person, like okay, so you know, I'm going through perimenopause and my life is changing and my hormones are changing. And I'm like, why am I not the same person I was four years ago? So you look at those types of things. It's, it's even like looking back at my kids now and understanding what I did to them as a parent, because I didn't give them a hundred percent within a healthy mother. And so this could be part of the reason that she was looking for that attention because she wasn't getting it from her dad specifically. And, and even me, because I was working and living life and all these things that I thought I should do and should have been working on myself.
0: That's pretty powerful, though, because there's a lot of people that'll just be like, I did the best I could move on. And it's like, no, we're here to learn.
1: You literally when your kids get older, and I don't know how many parents feel this way. But when your kids get older, you look back and you're like, Oh, I fucked that up. Oh, shit. I fucked that up. And then you go, Well, I kind of fucked it up. But I also didn't fuck it up. You know, they make their own choices in life. Back in the formative teenage years, I do definitely believe that as parents, you know, we have to take a lot of the blame for what we do, but there also is a point in time when we have to go, okay, you're making your choices now, and that's kind of where I've come to, and my daughter and I have come to a really good place. You know, she's a great mom, and she stays at home with her kids, and she's completely healed, and we've never really had a serious conversation about it, but we've had sidebars to where it's like... I understand now why you did it and I know that part of it was my fault and you know, I understand that you didn't feel there was any other way for you to reach out. So you get to that healing process, you're never you never forgive yourself or something like that. But you also become aware of of what not to do.
0: It's so funny that you ended it with you never forgive yourself because earlier I wanted to interject but I didn't want to cut you off. Okay. And I wanted to be like, you know, in these moments of clarity, it's really important to forgive yourself so you can move on. It's hard. Well, it is really hard, but that's why. So when conversations like this get like super heavy, because I think that people get the misconception that like they wish that they could go back in time and then like teach their parents to be better parents. But at the end, whether it was a positive or negative experience, like it still helped you and formed you in a way. So there's, there's so many things in our lives that happen that obviously we wish didn't happen to us, but those really bad moments, those like deep in the trenches, why would you do that to me moment? Mm -hmm. You know, they really, really do shape you and they make you lean on yourself and they make you stronger. So when you talk about like, let's get into the spiritual aspect of it, when you get into like soul contracts, Mm -hmm. whoever believes in that or not is fine. This is what we're, this is how we're going to break it down. So like you and your daughter are in a conference room in the in-between before you come down. And you're like, hey, I'm going to be your mom. And she's like, I'm going to be your daughter. And we're going to be like, give them hell. <laughs> so like you guys literally sit here like this notebook in front of us. And she's like, I'm going to attempt to commit suicide at like 16. And you're going to be like, okay, why would you do that? Well, it's going to teach you this, this, this. And it's oh, going to sure. teach me this, this, this. And there's a lot of like release of uh, suffering on both ends when I look Mm -hmm. at situations like that. And then um, just like a forgiveness in yourself. If earth really is a school, which I'm totally down for that at this point, Mm -hmm. um, you guys really did give each other a lot of lessons and you love each other enough to give each other those lessons. And that's really hurtful and really powerful.
1: Well the scary part about that when you you talk about giving each other lessons and I completely 150 percent agree with you my mom always said to me kind of sidebar that um, we are all reincarnated and this is hell and God keeps giving us another chance to rise up and be better My mother is religious or used to be but either way we kind of look at it as that this is our playing field where we keep trying to get better and better and you know the the teachings that we have given each other for my daughter and myself, we're very lucky that she has survived because there's a lot of people who do not. And then we're all left kind of going, what do we do now? You know, so did you
0: ever like, obviously after you checked yourself on the embarrassment, the lack of compassion, just the fact that you literally didn't even want to deal with this in your life. And Mm -hmm. it happened. um, Did you ever have the moment where you're like, what would actually be happening if I, instead of rolling my eyes, cause I have to drive 45 minutes Like, what if I was actually driving you to the funeral home to bury my daughter? Uh, It came
1: towards the end. That definitely came towards the end of her two-week visit to where it kind of got to the point where she was wanting to... She was opening up, but... Excuse me. You have to understand, my daughter's a very... Uh, private and very in inter- she's an introvert she's not an extrovert at all you may think she is because she's kind of noisy sometimes
0: sharing is a skill
1: she's very introverted and so it was just fluffy stuff that she would talk to me about I'd be like so what did your counselors talk about today and you know and she would just be like school yeah okay yeah that was about it, it yeah so-
0: but it's the it Honestly, it is the like normal, stereotypical, like teenage mom relationship though. I mean, yeah. oh God, I remember being 16 and I know my mom wanted to know more about my life, but, uh, yeah, no, actually
1: she didn't want to know more about your life. To be honest with you, (laughs) (laughs) you were like me and they did not want to know. They would just see like the glazed over surface and be like, okay, they're still doing good. They're alive. They're alive. Yeah. So I, I really realized towards the end, um, you know, that it was a very serious situation, but I didn't really start to kind of try to understand it until she was older and we could have that friendship style of talk rather than the mother-daughter, you're going to tell me the wrong thing, which, by the way, goes on until they're, like, 21. So,
0: Well, the annoying part of it that I found growing up was, like, there is a little, like, Matilda Danny DeVito in Mm -hmm. some parental thing, especially back in that day and age, where it's like, no, I'm the adult and you're the child, so, like, even if I was sitting there, for an example, and I would be like, these are my feelings. They're like, your child, get over it. Your mm. child, get over it.
1: Yeah. That and was I, definitely, that was a part of it sometimes. You I, know? I mean,
0: I know it just from the way that we teach kids now mm-hmm. and the whole gentle parenting movement. And Hey, <laughs> that's actually a soul in a body that you're guiding and helping. So like, yeah, you're not going to get out with a hundred percent. You're totally going to fuck them up somehow. I'm totally,
1: how you like, I like You called it gentle parenting because I...
0: Well, that's like the... Like, I'm pretty sure if you did hashtag (laughs) gentle parenting, like, you can just go down. It's a whole thing, Uh, you know? And I mean, my biggest thing is, like, I don't want to parent... Monroe from the things that I'm still not healed from of nor course. do I want to go back to any part any of my parents and be like oh you did this and you did this and this is why I am the way that I am no this situation happened I remember it happening this way I remember being affected this way I remember my emotions not being considered mm-hmm. therefore suppression came on top of teenage hormones on top of da 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 oh, da I, I connected all of these pieces I didn't come back to tell you you're a shitty parent I came back to see a If you had an awareness, did you know that you were emotionally unavailable? Mm -hmm. Did you know that you actually had a temper? Did you know that I don't like being yelled at? And when I get yelled at, I go into a freeze and fawn state, which nobody's going to get the right reaction out of that. So that's just what I'm saying is like the more that, again, going back to the gentle parenting campaign, because this is so in our face and we're like, hey, let's be better for the next generations of these gentler souls. Then you look back at parenting, you know, like, Your parents, my parents, grandparents. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to
1: tell you they're going to all be a bunch of pussies when they get older. Because the way I look at it is, you got to give a little bit. I mean, I I get it too. I
0: think there needs to be a balance for sure somewhere. You know, there does. But at the same time, like we we are we are evolving as a human species and a consciousness exponentially. And unless we all want to be like a militarized country where we just literally like listen to the news and they tell us how to think and feel I really do like all of the shakeups that are happening with <laughs> hey th- actually like we're gonna redo everything yeah I I agree with you not on everything I'm just I do like, I,
1: I I think going back to the parent thing like when you you said you went to them you weren't checking them you weren't blaming them you were just asking them if they were aware. So I went through a, a a phase in my life where I was like, "I'm sorry, I fucked you up, and I sorry I did that, but I'm here for you now." You know, kind of situation. I'm, I, you know, I I did apologize to them for some things that I knew that I was wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like I was wrong. I
0: I. Then that's really big and hard as a parent. It's I'm only at two and a half years, and I cry when I apologize to her.
1: You know, it's it's really hard, but you also you know have to realize now in today's in today's world from. 35 years ago when I was in high school and I look at what high school was like then and the things that we dealt with the same stuff, the bullying, you know, there was one black person in my school and one gay person who actually two gay people who never came out until they were in their late twenties, they were suppressed and they were not allowed to, to come out and be who they were. I mean, you know, you got the grunge guys and they're the skaters and they're the ones that deal the drugs, but I was the one dealing the drugs and I was the preppy girl, you know, things are different. So you look very, very, you look back at like that going on now and shootings in schools and all the things that are going on. These kids nowadays have so much more shit to deal with.
0: They're always overstimulated. They're
1: overstimulated media and everything else. And, you know, I, I don't blame that going back to the conversation about my daughter, about what she went through. But it was just almost like she could just shut that off from everything else and she could go do her own thing. But it just bled into life. And that's kind of where it came from, maybe.
0: I remember the peer pressure campaigns when oh, I was growing God. up in the 90s and 2000s. Oh, yeah. Still bad. Yeah, I mean like dare programs and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Oh, I yeah. mean, music was definitely a, a big part of my life growing up and I know that it saved me from a lot of stuff. And there are, there's like a part of me that thinks if I would have just stuck with it, it would have saved me from so many crazy things that happened,
1: but you're not meant to be saved from it. You're meant But you said exactly. Earlier meant
0: I'm to like learn. I 100% feel that I was meant to go the path that I'm going to. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, I and I, I think when, I mean, for me, especially on music, like I think when you lose something that you love so much, that's when you're like, oh fuck, mm-hmm. oh oh that was mine. Okay, okay, all right, yeah. all right. I'll get it back. I'll get it back. I'll figure out how to get it back.
1: My arm is so, I had to move my okay. mic hand. <laughs>
0: You're okay. We're getting ready to wrap it up. I have a few more questions for okay. you. Um, so earlier when we were discussing, you were talking about like, I know that I would never commit a suicide. Yeah. Like I know that I've had the thoughts and, you know, I've been sitting there with that beer in my hand after working my ass off and just being like, I just don't know how much longer I can do this. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, even when suicidal thoughts come in your head, you can literally just like boop, push them out. Like, okay, well, I'm still going to get up the next day. So what... What makes you know that you would never commit suicide even though you have thoughts? Well, I mean, you still don't have thoughts, but we well, all have those low points.
1: Yeah, we do. And I mean, I, in no way, shape, or form do I want this to be like a, this is how you prevent yourself from committing suicide. I think this is more of a personal it's level. It's you personally, Who yeah. I am. And, you know, for me, number one is, is I've been in some very low places, like very, very low. You know, my ex-husband was cheating on me. I got evicted. I live in a hotel. I mean- my dogs all ran away within like three weeks of each other. I mean, it was, I do remember that. That was (laughs) was terrible. That was hard. And there was tough times then there was tough times when, you know, I, I moved back into a place I couldn't afford or I couldn't pay my bills or I was making bad decisions on my own to where I was just like, I just don't even need to be here anymore. Even when I was still married and I felt just so desolate and I didn't know how I was going to get up and do it the next day.
0: Or get out. I mean, that's a, that's a tough oh, situation. Was, uh, yeah. Kids I would have, never, you know, I would have never left yeah. that. I would have no. stayed. Yeah. That's
1: old school of me. But either way, thank goodness. It yeah, ended. old
0: school, you don't get divorced. Nope.
1: Yeah. Now I'm new and improved. But either Anytime
0: way. Anytime anybody tells me they got a divorce, I congratulate them. Because I think it is a fantastic new opportunity to reinvent yourself and wow. shed uh, a life that's they, not, not they meant for you.
1: Crazily, they say that the most stressful things in life are death of a parent slash spouse or child moving and divorce. And
0: divorce is like it's a it is like a death. It's a trauma of of a life.
1: Things in my life. Yeah. And I've survived. But I think for me it's really I kind of look at the fact that first of all, I love life. Regardless of what I'm doing, I feel like it's an open book and I don't want to miss out on anything. That's a big one. I don't know what it would do to the people that I care about that are in my family. Like what not they would move on and I know that but well, who's was,
0: gonna find you if that was my first thought why, who would find me why would I do that to them my
1: dogs would have found me because you know that's would have been me by myself but either way it's just it's to the point
0: of so I would have found you when I noticed probably, you didn't come to work yeah that great would have, that okay. would have been it it right would have there. been me yeah. got it and I don't want that to happen thanks for that I would not have wanted no. to be that person at your funeral
1: and and no matter how depressed I got or anything you know I just kind of looked upon my self and said, and I've always said this to myself, it's going to work out. You're going to figure this out. It may not be easy getting there, but you're going to figure it out. I may not take the right path, you know, like, gosh, when I got divorced, I may not have taken the right path on where I got here in my life and where I'm happy. It may not have been the best path, but I made it and I got through it. So for me, I just kind of look at, I have too much to look forward in in life. I have things I want to do still and, and things I want to explore and adventure and I just feel that no matter how bad it gets and plus you have to rely on the people that are around you which is important whether I'm a very close person sometimes when it comes to my emotions so I have to actually rely on people which you helped teach me that that I needed to rely on others besides myself and I think that for me just kept me from going down I call it a rabbit hole I go down rabbit holes all the time you know everyone does depression comes about you know, I'm going through bodily changes now that are screwing with me and I don't like it, but it's not the end of the world, um, you know. But that's, for me, that's how I look at it. It's not the same for everyone though. Everyone's different.
0: I remember meeting you, um, like obviously during the divorce stage and I mean, it w- it really was rough for you. <laughs> There's no like nice way to put it. Um, so for you even to open up and be like, the point that we you were, you're like, my dogs are going to find me. I'm like, I remember working with you and you didn't skip a beat. Like if we weren't like you were, you were like my side by side work together every day, best friend. And if something would have happened to you, I, at the time I would have been like, I don't blame her with everything that's going on, but I can't believe, like, you don't want to be saved when you lose the hope is what, mm. what like when you get into that mindset about it. And I mean, I've had moments um, where I had, I had a friend call me and he said, I think my friend is going to kill himself. Um, and I don't really know what to do. I don't really know, like if I can save him, what I can say to him, you know, kind of what happened. And the only advice that I could give him was I met somebody who wanted to kill themselves. And I said, okay, well, do you know how you're going to do it? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, so we're not that far. I go, okay, well, let's go ahead and just walk through the whole thing. We're (laughs) gonna walk through your suicide. We're gonna walk through where you go when you die. And we're going to um, huckleberry it you know, like when he dies and hangs over his funeral, mm-hmm. I was like, and we're actually going to watch your funeral together. We're going to watch your sister's reaction, your brother, your mother, your father. I'm going to walk you through everything while you're still living. Mm-hmm. And if you still want to die after I walk you through your funeral, I was like, then we're, we're going to take a different step. Oh, my gosh. Um, so that's, but- a, that's a hard – I mean, for you to do that for somebody to,
1: to go through that emotional journey with them is incredible, first of all. Like, that's a scary – crazy blowing my mind kind of thing. See,
0: and I think that that's like one of the easiest things that I could do for humanity is if like you have the gun in your hand like that and you're like I just can't do anymore. I'm like okay, wait a minute. Like let me just come in. Let's let's talk about this. Like I don't need to be a negotiator anywhere. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not negotiating.
1: I'm showing you that reality of what you're going to do.
0: Yeah. Like I'm going to show you the reality because you're so stuck in this one moment and all you can see is like everything in the past. So like you, you gave a great example of like, I know what's ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Like my mom talks in like Yellowstone phrases all the time. God bless her. So like my whole life. So like my life would be falling apart at 16 and she would be like, baby, tough times don't last. Tough people do. (laughs) And I would just be like, Okay. Okay. So but then I would go to school the next day and like whatever like was defeating me or anything, I would be like oh, Tough Times don't last, tough people do. Tough times don't last. Tough people I know do. it's crazy how this Oh yeah. yeah. And like at the time they're like mantras and affirmations, mm-hmm. but I'm obviously not educated on anything like that. I'm in the middle of a cornfield walking into school and my boyfriend broke up with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, Oh my god, everybody's gonna make fun of me that he broke up with me, yeah. right? So like that was one of the worst parts for me. But I always remember my mom coming in with just these really cool just Nope, just to, you, you rip that thought out of your mind immediately. It does nothing for your success and what you're looking forward. You were lucky to have that. But then, well, yeah, cause then you have people who, you know, they really are. And that really, you, you can't talk them out of it. Like you can't talk them out of it. I don't really know how to say it. Like, I don't think that I could save everybody that was having mm-hmm. a suicidal episode, but I have had my stories of people were My best thing that I've done is I've sat there and I've held their hand and I've really like held that energetic and emotional space for them. And we have had the conversation like, okay, so like, what funeral home do you think your parents are going to do while they're crying? That's crazy. And I can, I can sell it to you like a child's novel because if you, if I can take your brain away from pulling that trigger and actually showing you how much you matter, Mm -hmm. maybe the lack of celebration that you haven't had in your life, like whatever happens, if I can actually show you in that moment how much you're loved, how much you're missed, and how much you're needed on earth right now, and like you chose to be here then there's there's a release of suffering there's a release of the freeze in your mind and you actually like realize you don't want to kill yourself at all and you're like okay okay oh yeah I got I got it I'm back I'm back it's like if you took too much molly and your friends got to bring you back like dude I got you I get that I mean I I but again I don't I don't think it's like a foolproof fucking system I just know that I've had plenty of experiences where people have been very vulnerable with me where they're like I don't think I can do it anymore and it's a, it is a yeah you're you're on the edge bud let's let's calm it down
1: I, I mean I agree with you I think that people I I'm trying to think of how I can phrase this you know for me being able to walk through somebody with that because of what's touched with me like would be very difficult to do because I'm just going to take the stance of you're being stupid stop it you're fine people love you like, let's just stop, you know? Yeah. You're you take a little a lot more of the spiritual part of it, but now I'm just looking at I'm like, you know, you're you're gonna hurt the people around you, so stop. Yeah, you know, that's
0: me. And I get of, that. I'm that
1: literal person, so maybe I'm not the best one to talk we, them through it.
0: We need yeah, we need people like you to walk people like them to me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just like I have this friend. You're like, hold on a sec, I'll go grab Cheyenne. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just a different aspect of the way looking at it and, and the way people see it and are affected by it and you know hopefully you have some more guests that can come on to give a different perspective because my perspective may not be liked by very many people well
0: I like all the different perspectives and they're not here to be judged that's why the show is called safe space with Cheyenne of course there's judgment with anything when you put it out on the internet but the point of the show is for people who yeah I mean just to describe it verbally like yeah you had a very limited compassionate view on certain suicidal episodes that happened in your life but I like how you broke down where you were in your life to understand that not only were you pouring from an empty cup but that that cup was broken
1: well yeah and I think everyone has to realize that there's just so many different different ways to to deal with it there's so many different ways that you're going to deal with it and you shouldn't beat yourself up over it you just have to you have to come to realize that I'm not perfect and I'm, I may have screwed up and yeah, that's the way it goes. Well, I got like, lucky.
0: I love the way that your mom says it. Cause there's like no religion, no nothing into it. It's just like reincarnation is real and we're here until we get it right. And if yeah. it's not this body, it's another body you come into, yeah. I
1: mean, which is
0: why I love, I'm like, I'm really digging in more into the avatar of Cheyenne now and mm-hmm. everything that she encompasses from past, present and future. Yeah. And then fully understanding like how limited and how borrowed my time is. Very borrowed. Um and yeah. I like the realization like every day more especially getting into more of the passion projects that are going on and like realizing what living actually is what mm-hmm. even people told you when you were younger like hey this is what you're here for and I'm like get a job go to get school a get a go job retire yeah blah, blah, blah. you know and <laughs> maybe that that works for some people but yeah. Other people, it makes them want to kill themselves. Yeah. so
1: As per our topic today. Per our
0: <laughs> topic. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything that I could wrap up with, but I honestly just really enjoy the cycles that you were able to talk about the high school, especially in the eighties, the stigma of what it was mm-hmm. talking about her perspective of the parents was great. The distant college friend, I can definitely um, relate to that. I don't remember the kid's name. I just remember around that age. I remember hearing somebody had killed themselves mm-hmm. and I just remember being angry with them too immediately. Oh, yeah. Cause I was just like, how dare you be so selfish? Like that's what I thought about it when I was younger, whether like I had, I had bouts like with it, like personally where I was like, oh, oh, I get it now. So then like, after I had my mini episode with myself about it, um, I was like, okay, I kind of get it more now because I, my attempt was not like your friend's attempt, but you know the the funny thing about
1: it is, we sit here and we're having the conversation about how it affects us and how we deal with it. And it, it's you know we aren't inside of the mind of the person who's done it, and we may not know what they were thinking, and we may not know exactly why they did it or what their reasoning was. But it's just like when you die and you go to a funeral, that person's not grieving anymore. It's the that funeral. That person's not
0: even that person. The funeral anymore. is
1: for your grief. And, and we have these conversations to help us be better in these situations, whether we're right or wrong. We can talk to someone, and I think that you may have somebody you may be talking to that has committed suicide or tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see a very different perspective of what they're feeling and what they're seeing than what we are on the outside. We are dealing with our feelings. We're not dealing with their feelings because we're all going to be angry at them who try. Like it's bullshit. Well, how could you want to do this? How could you want to leave? Mm-hmm. But it's our feeling, not theirs. And I, I guess I want to kind of put that across because we've had a lot of conversations about how our feelings are today, but we've never been in that situation where we felt that that's the end of the road.
0: Like the real end of the road. Mm-hmm. I, I have had many times in my life where I'm, you know, I'm like, nope, not doing it anymore. Like yeah. just a big red button in the back of my head that's like, let's let's do this. But um, the people that actually, you know, do attempt or in in that moment, Um, it's heartbreaking because there are a lot of suicides out there that, you know, the social media bullying, you got 13 year olds killing themselves. You got kids around the age of 30 because they just, they didn't become successful by 30 like their parents did in a completely different market and job trade and everything. Gentle parenting. Not just that. (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of things that are, are different. I mean, social media really has sculpted the world Mm -hmm. so different. And I mean... I like and I have compassion for the topic and I don't just like cutthroat it like we're you know I'm like a trucker from the road I can't believe the world looks like this anymore but I can't imagine being a kid growing up in social media right now and actually absolutely thinking that I would not. survive it
1: absolutely not I couldn't even imagine we I just would have to be call each
0: other on the phone your parents would pick up the phone and you have yeah. to talk to their parents and yeah. tell your friend hurried up because you know I don't like talking to your dad, no, I, Rebecca.
1: I, I completely agree. They, they're they in a totally different time than what we were when we were kids. I mean, they didn't have a cell phone till 1993. or God, somebody will catch me on that one. But, no, it's completely different, and I understand, and, and we have to be compassionate to them. But when it comes down to it, it's, it's how we feel, and we talk about how we feel about it so that maybe we can help the next person who goes through this and doesn't know how to deal with it to to be able to have some tools maybe my
0: goal is that this will just be like a timeless resource Mm -hmm. you know and people can go there and they can feel safe with okay yeah like I I have felt like killing myself before oh I heard on this podcast that it's a it's a sign that you know I just I really need to look within I need some attention I need. Well, it's not necessarily... You need to give yourself attention. Don't go and seek outward attention and try to fill yourself. Mm -hmm. But I know I have plenty more people coming on to talk, so I appreciate you bringing me your perspective because it is valid, it is heard, and it is needed. And I won't let anybody bully your perspective because there's so many more people that have your same perspective. It's
1: okay if they do because that's what we're all about. That's why we all have opinions in this life.
0: Yeah, I'm just all about keeping it safe <laughs> <laughs> and playing some music. Yeah. Um so today I actually have a track from Neovi's new album. His new album's called Twilight and um I just got done emailing Neovi about my new theme song and she he let me that. know that it's his um favorite track off of the album and I too said that it's my favorite track off the album and i don't know how he really feels about it but i'm pretty sure like we just became best friends just (laughs) pretty sure but this is the maze off of his new album twilight i'll have it linked below from um, spotify but i love you guys thanks for hanging out with us michelle thank you so so much for coming on i love you. you love you too
1: This is the Hoosier Media Network, your
0: home for podcasting.